0: Good morning, good morning everybody. Go ahead and stand and join us. We're going to start out singing today. Can I run this heart I'm tethered to with every step I collide with you like
1: this hideaway crashing over me crushing in
0: i found Good morning. I'm going to take a second. We just want to pray together. We've got a lot of needs going on. If ever you are in need of of prayer and you'd like the church and the staff to be praying with you, just so you know, there are slips um, in the hot spot and uh, that just our prayer request forms that you can leave with us. And through the week, we actually, we read through those. You can leave them anonymously, but we pray as a staff for those every single week. And some of the ones that we want to pray for this week are just a lot of the health things that are going on. There's so many, um, especially with kids, so many health needs with kids and, and difficult things being found out, difficult prognosis. And so this morning we're just gonna pray. You've got things going on in your life, and uh and so we're just going to lift it up all together. I believe that God truly does hear our prayers. I believe that our prayers change things, that they matter, that he asks us to pray, not because it's a cool thing to do, um, but because our prayers actually shift things. And so we're going to pray this morning. God, I just thank you. I thank you that you are a God who, who is active and who cares, but God, that you are also you are a God who desires to heal to men broken relationships and, and hurts, pasts, presents and futures. God, we pray that you would just begin to move in tangible ways, Father. For those who have left uh, prayer requests for us to be agreeing with, Father, we just lift them up to you, you know what they are. That you, would, that you would see them, for those who took the time to write them, that they would just experience your peace. God, that you are ever-present in their circumstances and in their worlds. Pray that it would cause us to worship even more. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. In your name we pray.
2: the star before the beginning of time with no point of reference you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of
0: An encounter with you, meet us where we are today, Father. That we would hear you, know you, and grow deeper in relationship. We thank you, God, for today. Have your way. Amen.
3: You know the kind of things that you're feeling when you take your family on a trip to uh, to see relatives in Missouri and there. On the way, you've got to stop someplace, let your kids get out and rest, and, and you're, you're, you know, you've got all kinds of things that are on your mind there. And then to stop momentarily and look across the road there, and there's this big, huge, golden field of wheat it's growing. Wow, I'm, I've never seen an actual full field of wheat there. Probably uh, non-GMO, probably gluten-heavy but to, to, you know, you, you want wave your hand across it because like this, it's all golden. It's ready to be harvested stuff. And look at this and you go, that's amazing. That's, you know, how much stuff we get from that here. This is from Leviticus 23. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel when you enter the land that I'm giving you. And you harvest its first crops to bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. Now, I would try to paint a picture of what that might be like there. Usually these guys have probably worked um, feverishly in soil and didn't have the kind of technology that we have today. Just work, 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 work really hard. I can imagine they're all standing right there, and yet one of the f- things they have to be reminded of, you have to be careful you follow this through because of this nation that had been selected by God is to make sure that the first bundle that you cut there, that you set that aside, it's gonna be taken to the priest in the temple who's gonna wave it before them uh, and it will be accepted on their behalf on them, Can you picture at least some of them taking that first harvest and thinking, this is what we have to enjoy, this awesomeness from what we have come from and to do that every, every year is a reminder of God's abundant loving kindness and his awesomeness. You know, some of us get real excited about things during this time of year right here, especially when you see when the sun is coming out and the rain is done and things like that. And we gather these kind of things. And uh, if you want to take full advantage of this kind of thing, you start with something like this. Just a little pot. You put some really good sealing starter on that right there. And then you take one of these right here. One moment. You're actually supposed to pour them out right Try not to fumble it as you place it in the seed right there. That's that's the start right there. And I'm going to do whatever I can to make everything look like it comes from uh, the produce department at Walmart. When I finally get done with that, which those of us who are into farm, you know, gardening and and growing vegetables know that that's never the case, and you you plant the seeds uh, to take advantage of the early season here, but you have to grow them indoors, and you have to make sure that the conditions are right, and then you finally go out to where your soil is, and you to plant them in the soil, but you can't do that until the temperature is correct and the soil is perfect on that. But that takes uh, several years to be able to do that type of thing. And you're thinking, why not just uh, go to Home Depot and buy a tomato plant and put it in the ground? For those of us that have been down this road here before, you realize there's nothing like the stuff that you grow on your own. So if you're really into growing your own vegetables, you wait for that one day when you finally got the harvest there. You're looking at this and thinking... mine I've, I put further all this effort all this stuff right here I get to enjoy it this awesomeness and stuff even though it doesn't usually completely turn out that way you know when you're a young man you, you learn some things in life one of the things that I always remember is excuse me. when Susan and I were first married we were beginning to raise our three children Elizabeth John and James I didn't have a job I had no prospect of a job uh, and Oregon, at the time, had a bad economy. I knew that, and I was trying to, you know, sell myself for something that I would never had done before. And one experience was going to a, a building to try to fill out an application and an appeal for some job on that. And going up there, and the door was locked. And I looked inside, and I go, you know, what? Doesn't look like anybody's around here. And starting to walk away from the building, and turn around and see this sign on the, so- the window that said "For Lease." Um, that wasn't so much the, you know, a comical routine there as it was the, the realization that the fear began to set in that I'm never going to get a job and the family's going to starve and uh, what am I going to do and tell my, my parents all about this stuff and, and yet you, know, you go back over the years and you see how God does actually provide for you and so this year I'm thinking when these things get started and some things grow well some things don't but that's okay That finally, when you have the harvest there and you hold that thing up right there and and you say, you know, this is something that I put the parts together, but God is the one that gives about the growth. It's a harvest here. And that causes you to go from a, uh, a stingy hoarding type of attitude to say, I am so gracious that a God of heaven has provided these things that I would like to take a moment and to try to decide which ways that I can show that gratefulness back to Him. As the ushers are coming forward, that's one way you can do that. But the other thing is just to find it within your heart, and how you can develop a nice, generous attitude because God is so abundantly generous to you and I. Hey
4: guys, my name's Emily. And I'm Erica and I just wanted to, we just wanted to come up here and welcome you. Thank you guys so much for coming. For those of you watching at home, I am so jealous. Um, If you are a fifth and sixth grader, you guys can go ahead and go. How many of you are going to the marriage retreat? Woo! Me too. Just a reminder, your final uh, payment is due today. You can pay that either online or at the hotspot. We also have so many different life groups um, that you can sign up for at the hotspot. Um, You can grab this little piece of paper and find out a location that works best for you. Also, for those of you watching at home, pay special attention. We are going to be transitioning to a new live platform, live.avjourney.com. So make sure you start making that transition. If you have a babe that gets fussy during service, we have a cry room in the back and you can go ahead and go in there and get some quiet and still be able to hear and watch the service. Also, make sure that you uh, know that anything that you hear up here, or uh, you want to know more information about, you can can head over to the hotspot, which is right out those doors, or you can just go online to your favorite platform. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. All right, and that's it for announcements today. So go ahead and stand up and greet your neighbor. Thanks so much.
5: I, I hope you guys are aware how exciting it is to be a part of life together. We're doing life with others. And if you're new to Journey or if you've been around for a while and you're just looking for your next step, way to connect, man, make sure you take advantage of the life groups we're just starting. They're, they're going to be all around the community, so you can find one near your place, hopefully, or at least somewhere closer to you. And uh, that's I appreciate the ladies telling you that because we needed Uh, We needed you guys to know this is going to be happening right away. We're starting them this week. You want to be a part of a life group, this is your opportunity. And I love the series that we're going to be going through together, um, talking all about your spiritual formation, about how to grow healthy emotionally and spiritually. Because some people, they're more spiritual than they are mature. And we need to get it together so there's maturity and spiritual health all together. So that's what we're going to be going through series is going to be amazing and uh, you really need to check it out. Swing by the hot spot, and get information and check it out. If you don't, you know, if you go for a couple weeks and it doesn't seem to fit, go anyway. No, come to it. Go to a different one. Go to a different one. There's there's lots of groups. You can find one maybe that's a little more to your your liking, but give it a try. If you've been wanting to get connected, wanting to grow, this is your window. It's your opportunity. Don't miss it. <clears throat> Anybody really good at waiting? Anybody really, really patient? You you wouldn't say you were, were you? In public, you probably wouldn't admit it. I'm terrible at it. I hate to wait. I think if you've been around any time at all, you know that is probably one of my great struggles. I hate it. And so because I hate it so much, and I'm not very good at it, God lets me practice a lot. And it seems like the season I just came through was like the ultimate showstop all you know, all activity must cease, and you're going to sit in this until you get it, and having a health crisis like I had where um, we were right in the middle of a pool project, so for 34 years, we've been saying, we're going to get a pool, we're going to build a pool, finally, we just pulled the trigger, and like, let's go ahead and get that, you know, equity line, let's go ahead and start this thing, and we'll do it, a buddy of mine here at church helped me organize all the subs and all that to save the money, and so we're right in the middle, of this, and we've been digging this thing. Literally, my boys and I, we're out there. We had to put a retaining wall in, so we're out there every single free moment, jackhammers and shovels, and we have to dig this thing that's like, you know, 36 inches deep by like five feet wide for like the concrete and the wall to go on. And then after that, then you start digging. And every single process, every single step was ten times harder than normal. Everybody's like, I've never seen one so hard. I've never seen it so Because we live on solid rock. Our house literally, uh, our house was cut out of, you know, our property on the hillside is cut out of this rock, and they had to bring in, so we burned up another buddy here at the church, brought his excavator, and we destroyed it just trying to get through that, and so it's still in the shop a year later. And then we took another, we had another company come out, and they worked and worked and worked. Everything took forever. And so here we finally are. We finally got. The du- the whole dug we got the steel in we got the gunite shot and right about that time is when the lights went out in my life. I literally was out doing shovel work and I just kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And that's why they thought, oh, it's valley fever. You know, he's been out there breathing all that dust. And that didn't work out. So then they thought, oh, then it's a you know all that stuff that we went through and then the cancer. You know, for a while it's just a, it's got to be cancer. All of that stuff that was taking place in my life. And I was sitting there, sick as a dog, looking out the window at piles of dirt and just watching week after week after week as I was convalescing and most of the time I was so sick, I didn't even care. But after a while, I got to where I cared again. I look out the window and there's just heaps of dirt, trenches laid everywhere. There was an absolute disaster in what was supposed to be my beautiful backyard. And to this day, the project isn't finished. And it's almost, what, it an entire year? It's almost been an entire year put in, in a pool. Who else gets to do that except the person who can't learn to wait? The person who can't wait for anything patiently. And I'm sitting there just this past week, and we're finally at a place where it's like we're almost done. Equipment's in. Now we just have to put, you know, the safety equipment in, the fencing and all that, and, and go for plaster. But the point being that it, it seems like I can't, I can't get ahead, I can't get things done until I've waited for season after season. Until, and it just seems like that through my whole life. I hate to wait, so I get to do it a lot. <clears throat> and doesn't it seem like life is all about waiting? I mean, you wait till you're old enough you can finally have a driver's license. You wait. And, and then you wait to you can graduate. You wait to be accepted at a college so you can move away from home finally, or you do that first. You wait for God to tell you or lead you or somehow to figure out what you're going to do with your life. You're waiting for some kind of prompting or some kind of insight, some kind of idea. You're waiting for the right guy, the right girl to come into your life. You're waiting for the right guy or the right girl to realize you're the right guy or the right girl. You're waiting. You're waiting to get married. You're waiting for that first big job offer. You're waiting for the bank to approve the loan so you can get the place. You're you're waiting to start a family. You're praying for big things and you're waiting for God to answer. You wait, you wait, you wait. You wait for your kids to grow up. You wait for your spouse to grow up. You wait. You wait. And isn't it true that we all have to wait whether we like it or not? And here's the reality. Most of life is waiting most of life is waiting for something we're waiting for friday waiting for the weekend we're waiting for that thing we're waiting for this thing waiting for that person waiting for god and one of the reasons we don't like waiting is because we're not in control and it just absolutely puts us on the bench watching as circumstances form themselves or other people make decisions or god does what he's going to do and it's like when I'm waiting, I can't do important things, and I need to be doing important things so I can feel like I'm doing something with my life. I need to feel like I'm contributing and making things move forward. I'm pushing, driving the narrative of my own journey, and I want to be in charge. I want to at least have a say. I'm not accomplishing anything. I'm just sitting here. You go to a doctor's office, a dentist's office. They have a whole space dedicated to waiting. It's called a waiting room. How many of you spend a good little time in that? I got to spend lots and lots and lots of time in the waiting room. You ever feel like your life is labeled the waiting room? That's how it feels. Nobody volunteers to go to the waiting room because one of the rules of the waiting room is the less important person waits on the more important person. And we don't want to feel we're less important. I mean, when has the doctor ever said, hey, you go ahead and go back in the office and do the important stuff, and I'll sit here and wait till you're ready? Never happened because you're less important. They're the ones with all the knowledge. And we don't like to feel like we're less important, like we're not informed, like we're not special. So we don't like waiting on others. We don't like how it makes us feel. What I love, you know, go to places like Disneyland. And Disneyland's got it together, right? You go to Disneyland, and they actually have signs at different segments of your weight that says, from here, you have four days until you ride Dumbo. <laughs> from this point. You have, and it's, I, wouldn't it be awesome if life had those? Seriously, it's like from this point, you have six months till you find a spouse. God's finally gonna come through. You have four years until your kids grow up, or 10 years until your husband grows up, or whatever. It's like you have signs that mark the seasons and the moments when you know, okay, it's almost over. I'm gonna, it's, I'm gonna make it through. But the problem is, there's no signs there's no warning there's no there's no label on life that says how long you'll have to wait for certain things and so that that's what we find with the problem is with waiting you don't know because it's living for the not yet in the now so we're waiting for the not yet as we live in the now and and this is what we find the now feels like it'll never come and to be honest sometimes it doesn't come in our lives the way we expect that's why it makes us crazy That's why I hate to wait. So we find in our story, just a quick recap, Joseph has gone through a season after season after season. We talked about last week the storms and the waves that just seem to roll in our lives and just kind of crush us at at times. Well, what we find now is not only does the storm come into Joseph's life, but after the storm, then he's left to sit and wait and wait. And so what we find is Joseph started off as the golden child. He was dad's favorite, mom's favorite of this particular mom. And he had everything going for him. And then suddenly, out, in, out of nowhere, his life takes a downward turn. And he gets hated by his brothers, sold into slavery. He gets bought by a, a, an Egyptian master named Pharaoh, living in Pharaoh's house, raises himself up by doing amazing hard work and earning the love and appreciation of everybody in the house. But then Pharaoh's wife... Falls in love with him, tries to seduce him. He refuses. She calls rape. He gets taken and thrown in prison. And so here we find that our hero, Joseph, is in prison. And last week, we found out that he tried to help somebody in the prison. While he was in the prison, while the storms of his life were coming, he was loving and caring for others. He was still able to reach out and be there for somebody else during his own personal storm. And what we find is that this person, these two people that were coming to him, um, he gave them the truth. And this one guy, he was a royal official, a cupbearer to the, to the king, Pharaoh. And basically, he encouraged him. He gave him some good news. He interpreted a dream. And he said, hey, listen, um, now, now that I've told you the, the meaning to your dream, in three days, just three days, three little 24-hour periods, you're going to be free. You're going to be out of this prison. Please remember me. When you're back with Pharaoh and you're holding the cup, remember me before the king, Right? Do me this kindness. Get me out of this place. I was unjustly placed here. I was unfairly accused. Would you please just remember me? So what we find is just three days later, guess who forgot? Joseph. The cupbearer goes back to his job, completely excited about his new position and the fact that he's been redeemed in the eyes of Pharaoh and completely forgets the guy who told him all was going to happen. So what we find two years later, the text tells us, two years now, I've been sick for close to a year, and I'm telling you, I'm on my recovery, but I know livers don't just heal overnight. They take a long, long time. So as I'm waiting, I can't do the normal physical things I used to do. I can't lift like I used to lift. I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. It feels like this will never be over. That's only been a year. This guy was in prison at least two years on top of the time he'd already been there. We don't know how long that's been. This all started when he was 17, 17. The text tells us now he's 30. That's a long wait. So we find that he's still in the prison. Two years later, after all he's been through, some of you might ask, well, then why would God, because of the scripture last week we read that God was with him. He was in prison, but God was with him. doesn't seem to, to match. How is God with him? It's like an oxymoron. Prison, God's with him. And yet God was with him so why this extra waiting why this extra pain if he's doing everything right and the answer is because god was still at work in his life and here's the truth that's so hard for us the way that god forms us deeply is he takes us through deep waters you don't have deep faith by traveling shallow waters Deep faith is taken through when you have storms that come and they rip through the canyons of your life and they turn up the, the boulders of everything else, all the dross, all the weak stuff. It, it removes all of the junk, creating a space for the flow of God's power and work in your life. And it takes deep pain sometimes to create deep work. And that's why some people never go deep with God. They're comfortable with the shallow, but they don't want that kind of uprooting, that tumbling, that the pain that sometimes goes with forming a broken human being, a person who is myself-centered. That's really a difficult transition to move us into the place God wants for us. So it's hard, and that's why, man, if we submit to it, some of God's greatest work takes place in those deep, dark places in our heart. And although God was with them, Joseph was in process his heart was being reshaped it was being shape, reshaped by loss, by abandonment, by difficulty, by tragedy where Warren Wiersbe is a pastor and an author he, he said this about Joseph in prison God permitted Joseph to be treated unjustly and put him in prison to help build his character and prepare him for the tasks that lay ahead the prison would be a school where Joseph would learn to wait on the Lord he would learn that God's delays are not God's denials. And folks, that may be the, the thing you need to take down today. God's delays are not the same as God's denials. God's delays do not mean God is denying you. So those two years represent long, unspectacular, monotonous waiting. Month after month after month after month. And that's the season we sometimes are in. Wait. 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 But the truth is, it only seems like nothing's happening because this, the surface is where it's all calm. But if you've, got, if you've done any kind of diving or if you've been in those deep waters, you know that there's a lot going on under the surface. There's a lot taking place deep below. And it was happening in reality, a whole lot was going on below the surface of his life, even though it seemed like all he was doing was just holding down the fort in prison, waiting. Because there's, here's the reality we find in Scripture. God talked about this with Job, the guy who went through so much challenge and pain. There's no hurry-up process for refining gold. And what God is creating in you is not just flimsy aluminum. God is making gold the purest, most precious thing that, that we know, this, that, this kind of metal that we all think is like amazing. Well, God's doing this. He's turning you into the thing that we associate with the greatest treasure in life. Well, that's what he's saying. You are his greatest treasure and he's shaping you and he's forming you and he's purifying you and what does gold have to go through to to become this kind of purified process this thing this beautiful thing it's being dug out of the ground it's being hammered it's being heated it's being melted and smelted where they take all scrape all the dross off the top and it repeated over and over until it's purified and ready for use that process is slow and hard there's a lot of heat a lot of pain But this is what one author said, affliction is how we are refined. As Jesus followers, affliction refines us. And I'll be honest with you. After having gone through different crises and challenges in my life, and after having been through a lot of pain with a lot of others, I've realized that the people that I love the most and enjoy who they are as a person are people who have gone through deep pain. The people who I respect and listen to their opinion are not the people who everything's gone perfectly in their life and they've never been through anything, but they're the people who have gone through the challenges and difficulties and have been shaped by pain. And, and those kind of people, they speak into my life, and I listen. But it was kind of like when Lori's mom had taken her own life and people just want to come in that have never been through anything in life offer platitudes. Oh, it's all okay. She's in a better place. Dah, 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 dah. We're just kind of like, really? And you've been through this? And you know how this feels? And you just want to tell us how to behave and how to respond and how to feel right now It's just too hollow but when those people who have been there come to you and they just throw their arms around you and say I'm so sorry there are no words that's when you know there's a shaping that's taking place in this life and there's something so beautiful about this life there's something I don't trust people who haven't been through anything on the deeper issues of life I don't trust their opinions They haven't been shaped by it. And I just think that's what God is saying. He's like, I'm shaping you, Joseph, because you're going to have to be trusted by the most powerful man in the known world. You're going to have to be trusted by a nation, the one of the most powerful nations in the world. You're going to have to be trusted by everybody in leadership. You're going to have to be trusted by the people. And there's only one way they're going to trust you. If you have been formed so deeply, your character is so immersed in the truths and the, the realities of God and his purposes, you won't be shaken by anything. Think about it. Joseph was being shaped and refined for greatness. And think about all the Bible characters who had to go through immense years of challenge and waiting and waiting. It goes all the way back. Abraham waited 100 years for the birth of Isaac. And remember, that's the great-grandfather of Joseph. It's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. That's kind of the descendants. So this is Abraham's great-grandfather. Great-great. Moses didn't get to lead the Exodus until he was 80. Noah waited 120 years for rain. Even Jesus had to wait 30 years for his public ministry to begin. Paul had to wait in silence for like three years after he was converted just so people would believe him. He had to go through a season in uh, Arabia. And there's just, it seems like everybody who goes through anything, you know, that God wants to use greatly, he has to take through something difficult. And the list doesn't end there. God is always working in his people while they're waiting. Because what God accomplishes in private today God reveals in public tomorrow. Again, what God accomplishes in private today, he's going to reveal in public tomorrow. But you're not ready for public tomorrow until you've been through the challenge today. Some of you are going through something right now and it's and it's just whatever it is, it could be a family issue, It could be a personal, physical issue, some of the stuff I'm going through. It could be a corporate issue, a financial issue. It could be a marital issue. It could be a child-rearing issue. It could just be something, a personal sense of loss or can't find my way issue, whatever it is. Let me just tell you that you are not there for no reason. I'm not saying God put you there, but what I am telling you is God will use that thing in your life to shape you. Waiting can be wasted, or waiting can be transformational. That's the choice we're given, and that's the choice we're studying. That is the reality we're studying here as we look at Joseph's life. Two full years, after two full years, after all the other years he'd been through, half of his life now has been spent in a very painful situation of loss, working very hard to get just a few steps up before he gets knocked down again. And he hits a turning point out of nowhere. And for Joseph, this was just another day in the dungeon. It was just another day like every other day for the last number of years. Except that the night before this day, Pharaoh had a bad dream. Genesis 41 is our text today. We're going to read quite a bit. So two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing on the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. Now these cows stood behind the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up, but he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. But then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. So the next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams, so he called for the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. When the Pharaoh told him his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. So Pharaoh has two crazy dreams. I don't know why he partic- particularly got upset about these dreams. I have crazy dreams all the time. I don't call the wise people together. I just turn over and say, Lori, you won't believe what I just dreamed. Is that really weird or what? What is wrong with me? I mean, where does that stuff come from? And it's like two crazy dreams, but this really bothered him. You ever woke up from a dream, uh, awakened, and you just feel like disturbed? It's like it go- you go into the day feeling like, ugh, you know, that's so weird. That's, I don't know what that means. Well, this is one of those dreams. And he's like, this is disturbing me. I don't know what to do. So get all the wise people around. Everybody come in. Come in, come in, come in. Let's huddle up. Um, I dreamed the weirdest stuff last night. Here's what I dreamed. What does it mean? And these guys were not just wise men. It's, these were actual people who studied their entire lives of the ancient texts, they were the ones who interpreted hieroglyphics they were the ones who were studied in all different cultures these were brilliant men none of them had an idea and they were i gotta give them credit they said we don't know what your dreams mean so all of a sudden the light bulb goes on in this cupbearer's head here's what we read in verse nine finally <clears throat> the ki- finally you might want to underline that because finally to you means oh just finally that means something else no finally means Joseph has been in prison for year after year after year after year. And finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today, I've been reminded of my failure. In other words, duh, I just remembered something. He told Pharaoh, some time ago, you were angry with the chief cupbearer, uh, chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I had, had a dream, and each of us And each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as a cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Bam. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. There is so much in this little passage. For you and I, it's just like, oh, things worked out. This was a guy whose life had been all about the pain for years and years and years. Pharaoh that there's somebody who could actually tell him what his troubling dreams meant. He's like, man, go get the guy. Get him in here right now. But it took a minute because think about this joseph had been for years he'd been in this dungeon in the dungeon where there's no running water that means that the guards had to bring down water for them to not only drink from but to clean themselves from so guess how often they probably cleaned themselves that they had to use the restroom in a bucket or in a corner i mean this was a really really nasty situation no soap no water regularly. I mean, these were the kinds of things. So it says that Joseph had to get cleaned up. He had to shave himself. And I, I just wonder how big his beard was. I just, mine would still be like this after that long. But just <clears throat> some people, it's like down to the floor. He smelled like nobody's business. And he runs and he gets cleaned up. Imagine now this, this moment, this long awaited moment. It's been years since he's been part of the real world. And what a powerful contrast from the dungeon, the pit under the palace to the royal room with pharaoh himself in just moments in just moments his life turned from the absolute pits to the palace can i tell you that for some of you you think god will never come through for you and that's why it is so 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 critically important we learn what to do in the pit so that we'll be ready for the palace or the next thing when the promotion comes because that day will end. Lori and I were talking about it yesterday, and just as we were thinking of, of her mom's loss and taking her life, it was just kind of like, what would, I mean, she would be such a different person now because everything, what we've learned in life, and this is just 50-some years, that we've learned that this too shall pass. This season is not forever. Whatever your season is, it is not forever. There were horrible seasons where I thought, my God, if this continues, I don't know if I can make it. And there were, Beautiful seasons were like, man, I just love every minute of my life. It doesn't matter what season it is. Every season comes to an end, and the next season comes. Every fall, you know, turns to winter, and every winter turns to spring, and that's just kind of the nature of life. And whatever you're going through right now is not the end of the story. It's just a season. And if you can get the perspective that what you do in this season determines what happens next, it will change everything. It doesn't matter what the season is. It just matters what you do with it. How you interpret it. Who you believe is in charge of it. Who you're trusting to lead you through it. And what you're allowing to take place in your character as you're in it. This is just what's taking place. This long-awaited moment comes. Pharaoh's palace now has this Hebrew slave... Cleaned up, dressed up, and probably got a few nicks from the shaving. He's just standing there trying to figure out, what have I done now? What's happening next? Verse 15. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. And no one here can tell me what it means. But I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Pharaoh says, my sources tell me that you're the guy when it comes to dream interpretation. I need you right now. But I love this. Wait a minute, Joseph says. I don't have the answers I don't interpret dreams but God does verse 16 it's beyond my power to do this Joseph replied but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease he can set you at ease man talk about humility talk about integrity I mean this is Joseph's opportunity to say yeah and not only that I could have told you two years ago if dummy over there didn't t- you know, forget it. I mean I I could have been helping you get sleep you have lost sleep for needlessly for two years I could have been right here helping you and we could have figured out problems in the kingdom I, I mean there's so much that could have happened except for him but instead Joseph says no um, I'm not the guy that can tell you anything from that realm but I serve a God who can and he will give us the right answer he will lead us <clears throat> you know why Joseph could be so humble And speak so openly right here with Pharaoh? Because his heart had been broken and reshaped by God in his prison. Because he had been melted down and smelted. He'd gone through the furnace of pain and loss and tragedy. And he didn't let it destroy him. He didn't let the loss define him. He let it refine him. That's what takes place when we have submitted ourselves, when we completely go to God in our our difficulty, in our weight. The circumstances were unbearable, but his character was being shaped into into pure gold. This is what happens when we go through affliction and our eyes are on God, our trust is in God. For the rest of Joseph's life, from the time he was 30 to the time he was 110 and died, we do not hear Joseph once blame his brothers who sold him into slavery. We don't hear a word of bitterness against Potiphar's wife who lied about him and got him thrown in prison for all those years. We don't even hear a snarky comment about the dumb cupbearer who forgot about him for two years. None of that. Joseph was in prison. Eventually, he got out, and he could have done what he wanted with all of them. After he got out and was raised to his position, he could have had power over every one of them and used it to his advantage to pay them back, but he didn't. So let's continue. Pharaoh told Joseph about his dreams, all the cows, ears of corn or grain. Calmly, Joseph tells him. Joseph replied or responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain, both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin, scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind, they represent seven years of famine. So this will happen just as I've described it. For God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. Lucky guy. How many of us get that, right? The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, <clears throat> seasons. What are they telling you about seasons? But afterward, there will be seven years of famine. So great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. Ever feel like that right now in your life? It's like you can't even remember the good times because you've had so many years of struggle. Even that will be erased. For As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. In other words, this is confirmed. God is just telling you in multiple ways. And I'm telling you, that's what I'm discovering, that when God warns me in multiple ways to stop, to slow down, to change something, I better listen. And I'm learning. I'm a slow learner, but I'm learning. After Joseph heard about the dreams, he said, listen, I'm just a messenger, but God is for sure telling you something important. Seven years of blessing and prosperity are coming. And you, you really need to enjoy and prepare because seven years of tragedy and famine are coming. And this is all God's plan, and it's all going to happen, as he said. But listen, God, 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 all the way through. His answer constantly points back to God. Instead of calling attention to himself, he has to say, It isn't me, it's God. And God said, And God wants you to know, and God wants you, and this is God's plan. And he added a few words of counsel. He goes on in verse 33 Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Egypt's going to need a strong, well organized rationing program, right? Because when there's plenty, what do people do? They eat plenty, they spend plenty, they don't save. So he says, you're going to need somebody who has the insight to plan ahead. Who's going to see, oversee the building of storage silos in cities all around the nation? You're going to have to have somebody who can uh, basically discipline the people to bring a portion of every harvest into the grain uh, into the the granaries. <clears throat> you're, this is critical. You're going to need a manager, a, a really strong and wise manager who can hold fast in spite of all the pressure, who sees the thing ahead of time and, p- and plans well. And never once did he say, hey, by the way, um, I know a guy. <laughs> he's fresh out of prison and he's looking for a job. I mean, <laughs> I know somebody who, can, he doesn't promote himself. I deserve the position. Verse 37, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man So obviously filled with the spirit of God. What is this saying? That after all of those years of being lied about in prison, beaten, taken advantage of, these things have come about that he says, this man, obviously, it's visible on him. God dwells with him. He dwells with God. Oh, man, I want that to be said of me. When I'm done with this season and I want people to be able to say, you know, whatever else happened in his life, whatever he's been through, the Spirit of God is with that man. God's presence is obvious in this person's life. I mean, he's been through this thing or whatever, and my pain is nothing compared to some of yours. I mean, my, my pain and my past has been absolutely blessed compared to some of the things you've been through. And I want all of us to be able to stand at the end of that and, and just hear the words of God you know, over us, <laughs> well done, good and faithful servant. I want the people around us to be, be able to say, you know what? I don't really like what they believe, or I don't even know what they stand for, but you can't fault their character. Look at them, the ways of God, what they believe is all over them. This God is obvious through them. It was obvious Joseph was perfect for the job, but even though he could have pitched himself, promoted his agenda, and said, hey, I know a guy, he basically waited on God in this instance and let God do it, verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. Wow. You will be in charge of my court, and all of my people will take orders from you. Remember what happened just hours before prison, 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 year after year. Now he's saying, All of my people, everybody in my court, they're going to listen to you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a higher rank than yours. Man, I'm impressed. Joseph's self-control, I mean, he could have manipulated, dropped hands, but once again, he's just waiting for God, waiting for God to do what only God can do. In the loneliness of those years, in the abandonment of those seasons, in the forgottenness of the prison, I'm going to let God do what God wants to do and trust him. And that's why he's in the Bible, because he did it right. He got it. He figured it out. One of the only people that we find in the scriptures that didn't have a major blow up in his life after he had the season of incredible blessing, he stayed fast. And, folks, that's what I'm telling you. Some of your pain right now is not there to hurt you. It's not there to crush you. It's not there to destroy you. It's there to harden and shape you into the image of Christ and to give you the courage to face what you're facing because God wants to use you in ways you would never have dreamed of. God wants to use your life, your pain, your difficulty and it, this is just one of those stories how many of us could say that didn't happen for me because i manipulated <clears throat> i plotted to get my way and now i regret it i mean i did everything possible to pitch myself and sell myself i got the job and one of the saddest experiences i've i've learned to, and i've gone through with people is when they finally got the thing they manipulated and twisted and corru- they did all these things even cheated to get only to see it blow up in their face or dissolve in their fingers so heartbreaking I forced it, I made it happen, and now I'm miserable. But that's not the kind of promotion Joseph was after, and he didn't get one until God said it's time. Because if God is in it, he thought God would do it. God did. <clears throat> so since there's so much more to this, I want to wrap it up with just the final passage and then a couple of insights. First, verse 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I'm putting you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand, placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. He was rapping after this. I mean, this guy was like ready for MTV. He was like, this, this is seriously a statement of you are now wealthy. You are now powerful. You are now in charge. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the commander was shouting, would shout, Kneel down, bow down. Somebody royal is in your presence. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. Took the signet ring, which is basically his stamp, saying whatever you stamp has my authority. It's like the platinum card of their day where kings paid their bills and signed their laws and all that kind of thing. Now Joseph had that power. He gave him clothes, jewelry, all that just moments before. He was stinking, rotting in the dungeon. Now he's the second in charge. Talk about a role reversal, man, how God can change everything in a moment. In a moment, your life can change. In a moment, that person can walk into your life and all of a sudden what you've been praying for changes. In a moment, God can change things at your job. In a moment, God can heal that problem. In a moment, God could bring that family member home bring that relationship to a a healthy place in a moment things can turn around financially in a moment and that's why it's so important what you do with this moment in preparation for that moment what you do during your wait ultimately defines you you can either emerge resentful or refined waiting turns out to be one of God's most important tools so here's just a couple highlights one how do you wait well While you wait, do what you can. Do what you can do. What could he do? All he could do was basically love well, lead well from where he was, influence well, use his love of God and his trust in God to help others. He constantly was helping others, telling them their dreams. He was doing so well in prison that even in the prison system, it says he rose to the top because he was a man of character and a man of incredible insight. He said, God has me here for a reason. Do what you can where you are with what you have. Right now, be a person of character. Right now, do the right thing. Right now, tell the truth. Right now, no matter what's going on, honor God with this moment. Honor God with this moment. No matter what is going on around you, no matter who you're married to or what the next thing that's happening, your job, your boss, do what you can right now to honor God. Do the right thing. Next, develop the discipline of waiting purposefully. Don't waste your weight. Don't waste the waiting room just staring off and flipping through Instagram and doing nothing. Disciplines are things we do to grow in our ability to do the things we can't do yet. I'm going to do today what what you won't do so tomorrow I can do what you can't do. I'm going to do today what you others won't do so tomorrow I can do. I'm going to lift this today. I'm going to exercise today. I'm going to get my character refined today because in the future I want to be used by God like very few people. I'm going to trust him with this. So let's practice the spiritual discipline of waiting. This means for me, and this is the hardest thing in my life, it's waiting when I want to take charge. It's getting in the slow lane and not looking for the faster one. It's when I come up to a stoplight, I'm not moving to the shortest line. It's not going to the, the gas station and looking for the only open pump and griping and complaining when Costco's closed and Sam's Club's lines are 10 miles long. It's not any of that stuff. It's not going to the grocery store and saying, oh my gosh, look at all these stupid people out on my day. It's at those moments when you're like, God, this is the moment. This is my wait. How do I wait well? And folks, it is a lesson. Wait purposefully. Wait well. Get in the slow lane sometimes and just say, God, I'm not in charge. You are. Move yourself into a position where you have to take your foot off the throttle and say, I'm okay with waiting on you, and this is going to be hard until we're retrained in this. But God, I'm just going to trust that even my days are numbered by you, and you know how much time I have, and you know what I need. So when I can't control something, I'm not going to try. I'm just going to look for an opportunity to use this moment well. So the last few days, particularly in the last week or so, as I've been thinking about all this, <clears throat> I've been slowing down, and man, it's amazing how God's been bringing people into my life. Just as I'm getting ready to come speak, you know, Thursday night for student ministries, um, a person walks in, it's, you know, without a home, and they're, they're looking, and it's, you know, it's late, it's in the evenings, and, and you know, I'm, I'm just trying to walk over here and, and do this service, and um, needing some help, and I'm telling you, in a lot of days, it'd be just like, no time for that, sorry, got to lock up, I'm on my way, but it's just like, God's just prompting me, no, this is your moment. Right here, right now. This is the thing that where we find ourselves, wherever that is, discipline yourself to wait purposefully. And finally, believe God's promises while you wait. God has promises. He's giving you, he's giving you an opportunity to grow and know, to grow and know him more. So while the band comes up, I am want to pray over you. And I want to pray that wherever you're at in your wait, you would see there's purpose in it. The refining process would not destroy you. It would actually make you. The way you approach this season would be a, a determiner of what you're going to have next. So I'm going to pray over you that God would help you have insight and the courage to do it well. Let's pray. Father, as we close today, I'm, I'm not an expert at this, and you know better than anybody, I've struggled with this my whole life. I don't wait well. I want things to happen quickly caused me a lot of grief and a lot of pain and a lot of physical uh, destruction. And I just pray, Lord God, that as I learn this and as we as a community learn this, that we as a community would purpose ourselves to wait well. In the season between, in the season where it's not yet, in the season of I can't wait till, that we would learn to take your hand and with great trust in you, we would learn just to hang on to you. And let you form our character to do right in this moment, to do well in this moment, what I can do. And let you control what I can't. And for those who are in the room right now that are in struggles for this, God, that you would give them wisdom and grace. To turn to you and take your hand, to trust your heart, to find your peace. While they go through the season of shaping and breaking and remaking and refining. We pray this over them, God for the great season ahead of blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, stand with me, guys. Next week, we wrap up our series with a crazy talk about how to get over a hurt. So let's talk about that. Next week, let's worship together.
0: incredible morning got some good insights have a great sunday we look-